This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding, and I'm joined once again with Jim Sebastio. Hey, Jim. Hello, Brian. We're going to jump right into topic in just a moment, but uh, go to practicalshepherding.com if you want to get any of our resources, other podcasts, come stay at the Shepherd's House with us, any of those things. You can give a gift at the donate page. Please do that if this if we've been helpful to you as a ministry. A lot of exciting things happening and uh, we're trying to raise funds for all kinds of different things, from translation works to supporting pastors coming to the Shepherd's House, as well as other books being written and other things happening. So please help us in whatever way you can. But we're grateful for you just loyal listening to this podcast, which means you can also go and leave a review at iTunes or Spotify or whatever you listen to your podcast. We're on several places now, and so feel free to uh, leave a review. We do try to check those uh, periodically and, and try to get encouragement from your comments as well as learn from any constructive criticism that you want to give us. Also, you can go to the contact page of the website and let us help you in any way that we can. You can reach us through social media and all those different ways, and but just let us know how we can help you, and that's what we're here for. Hopefully, we'll be helpful in this conversation today, Jim, and we're talking about a topic that somebody wrote into us, which is a lot of our topics now, and we realized we had not done a ton of conversations about membership and uh, how to think through membership, what's... What does it mean to have a meaningful membership in your church? And how do you move a church that way if it's not meaningful? And, mm. and so we, there's a lot of things we could cover with this. We want to try to chat about some of these kind of things. But first, Jim, is membership a biblical idea? Let's first go there. I, I believe the answer to that is yes. And I believe there is a formal you know, Some people would membership. say no, by you know, Some way. would say okay, no. So, okay. and, and, you know, I mean, you you even I mean, you actually have this this expression: we're members of one another, and of course, there it's using the, the it's using the body imagery. But you do consider, you know, there there is a body imagery, there's a flock imagery, there's a family imagery mm-hmm. uh, in the scriptures. All of those things are definite; they're definitive. Um, they are peculiar to the to the building, to the flock, to the shepherd, to the family. And so that you know, you know, you know who's in your family, who's out of your family. Yeah, right, right. Uh, Paul, in uh, describing, you know, the care of widows, talks about a role. Uh, uh, you, you, you have the uh, the matters of church discipline, where somebody is put out. In order to be put out, you have to be in. And there's you several places. Be, you know, yeah. Talk so about that. again, where these things are. Where these things are assumed, so shepherds know their flock. Shepherds are to study to know their flock. That you know, a, a, a godly shepherd knows the name. You know, Jesus talks about in John ten. Shepherd lays down his life for his flock. He knows the names of his flock. He calls them by name and those sorts of things. He knows them. They know him. Yeah. And so you know, there is at the very least, uh, there are a group of people that are committed and that are intimate with one another, and they know who's there and, 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 and who's not. Uh, there is, again, some kind of a role that was kept, uh, or in our case, we have a file, a, a membership file of, you know, with the, the names of those who joined the church and when they joined and, and if they've left and the, uh, the conditions under which they left and those sorts of things, and we do keep something like that. Uh, for, uh, well, it's in our constitution to do that, but you know, it, it is a good record to have. And it's, it's an important thing to be able to know, look, these are the ones, these are the ones for whom I am responsible. These mm-hmm. are the ones for whom I'm going to give an account. Let's, let's add one more text to that. It's really good. I think one more text to add though is first Peter five, where it says to the, to the pastors, the elders, Peter mm-hmm. says, shepherd the flock of God, 
that is among you. Right. And that distinction is really important because shepherd the flock of God could mean, well, a pastor is supposed to just shepherd any Christians that he's around. But no, right. there's a particular flock that's been appointed right. to you that you are to care for, in a sense, answer to the chief shepherd. That's, that's right. really the essence of First Peter 5. Yeah, so know them that have the rule over you. Yeah. you know, so that's spoken, that's written to us, a, a distinct church. People knew whether or not that applied to them. And we had people visit, we had a good number of people visit yesterday. If, if we made a statement yesterday and said, now the members of the church this, well, a visitor knows that's not talking about that. That's right. You know, they, that's right. They, they know that it, it, that's, that's not something that they're responsible for. So you planted your church a long time ago. Yes. And we're able to establish the membership process from the beginning. Yeah. I'm coming from a different place where I inherited a really unhealthy church mm. that had a really broken, unhealthy understanding of membership. So let you and I are coming from two different perspectives, and we want to be able to highlight both of those. But what we want to talk about is let's, let's talk about and kind of give a short version of, so people have been visiting your church, and all of a sudden, they come to you and say, "We've been visiting the last two months. We'd like to become a member." You know, briefly walk me through the process of how you would how you establish that, and how do you bring somebody to membership? Yeah, and so again, we're asking the question: What's the difference between a long term visitor and a member? And an actual right? member. So, yep. I mean, you, you you know, obviously, it begins with somebody comes and visits the church, or in, in some cases, somebody was born into the church and they've been raised there, and at some point, the young person says. I want to identify as a Christian. I want to, and I want to join the church. So you, you do get that. Uh, so those are the two ways. Either somebody comes as a visitor outside, uh, and then you begin to walk them through. So you know you begin to get to know them. Or they begin to get to know you. You begin to have hopefully some conversation. Some hospitality takes place. Generally, if somebody's visiting, it's not too long before. Uh, I say to them, Hey, I'd like to get to know you better. You know, the man, I want to get to know you better. Uh, let's get coffee, breakfast. Can I you know, just spend some time with you, get to know them and have you in their home. So that, that's how that process at least initially begins is with contact and tethering. And if somebody doesn't begin to get tethered to your church, they're generally not going to ask this question. Let me pause a minute there, Jim, before you keep going. We're, you and I are both convictional Baptists, Yes, but we do want to highlight this conversation about membership you know, is going to be a little different in a Pado baptist context, Presbyterian. Sure. Yes. I just want to highlight that because, one, it, that's also a legitimate conversation to have around membership, but the, uh, a Pado baptist will start from a different position than what you just articulated because they would they would see that covenantal relationship of They even, will, but that's with the children. But but if, again, but if a visitor comes in, it's the same. You that's know? true, but so, you, were, so you, would, you were referencing children, so yeah, I just I want to highlight. Right. So, so there's a difference there. We'll right. keep going, Absolutely. but just know that. Yeah, yes, okay. correct. So... Uh, yeah, so um, so we have a process. Usually though, somebody will come and say, well, what's your process for membership? So our process for membership is is simple, um, but I'm going to park on one aspect of it. So somebody says, I want to join the church. By this time, you've hope, you, you have established something of, of their walk with the Lord, their testimony. You've heard their testimony. Yep. That, and generally, you would hope by that time they have some idea of what your church is about, what your practices are, what your theology is. They know whether or not they benefit from the ministry. They know whether or not they like the people, You know those kinds of things that go into it. So generally, at least some time is, is established. Now, 
it used to be in our congregation. It was a lot longer. It's like, you know, nobody joined for six months to a year. You know I mean? You needed to go through and you like, Hey, really want to make sure we get to know you. You get to know us. And cause, cause it's a, it, it can, it's a big deal. I mean, joining a church matters. It's, it is, it should be significant. So the process for us is there's a, there are membership classes. Uh, so those are taught by my fellow elder, Derek. It used to be taught by me. Um, in which we go through uh, what is what is membership, what does it look like, uh, what are the expectations, what are the requirements of membership, what are the expectations of membership. So that's taught in a class. And that's required to become a that's member. That's required to okay. become a member. Okay. Uh, the next step is that they have a written testimony, and that testimony consists of two things. Uh, what is your understanding of the gospel? And then what is your experience of the gospel? Mm -hmm. And that is then distributed to all the members, and they have three weeks. All the members have three weeks to interact. And that's given the reality, particularly as the church grows, you're not going to be able to, you know, that you may not have have had that family in your home yet. You may not have sat over lunch or a cup of coffee and heard that testimony. But you want to be able to know that this person joining the church can articulate the fundamentals of what the gospel is and that they've had some experience. They have a little bit of, okay, that's right. You were raised in a Christian home or you were brought out of, you know, Hinduism or whatever the case might be as we've had in the past. Yeah. And, and so then that's brought before the church. There's interaction with the church body about that over that period of weeks, often very little in that people already have gotten to know them and you know that's the process and at the end of that process they are brought before the church and uh there is a a reciting of our church covenant which is a very brief covenant together we recite the covenant together and then we have a time of prayer in which we pray for them and then we pray for ourselves as the church so for them uh, that God would bless them as a member and for us as a as a church that we would be for them what the Lord would have for us. So, so that's that's a very quick thumbnail. Yeah, no, it's helpful. To be clear, though, there's no congregational vote. Well, there, there is a congregational approval and approbation with the matter of, that's the reason we distribute the testimonies for the congregation, interact, ask questions, uh, and be involved in that, Okay, uh, to be involved in that. No, that's helpful. I think I want to put our well, what I walked into and then the process we had to establish in our church as comparison to this. So I walked into a church that the only thing you had to do to be a member is walk forward at the end of the service and say you wanted to be a member. And the church voted immediately in that moment, right. whether they knew the person or not. And that was the practice. And by the way, I mentioned that because there are a lot of Baptist churches that function that way, that to become a member, you simply just say, I want to be a member. And there's no vetting process whatsoever, which obviously... There's no no contact of a previous church. You have no idea if they've been disciplined. You have no idea if they know Jesus You don't know anything about their theology or their experience. I want to highlight that because there's a lot of pastors who are probably listening to this who are walking into that setting. So I want to highlight. That's what I walked into. It's not good. And you certainly want to be able to change that when it's appropriate. But that's what I walked into. And I remember a few months in, because I had not planned on changing this at all, but a few months in, I had my leaders ask me, so how do you want to bring in new members if we have any? And I thought, well, this is interesting. I didn't think you were going to ask me what I wanted to do so quickly, Mm. but here you go. I actually would like to be able to talk to the person and get to know them a little bit before we actually make them a member. Just to talk about basic things like... You know, explain to me the gospel so I know you know Jesus in yeah. some way before we actually make you a member. 
that you have authority to be able to make decisions and vote as because as, we're congregational in that way. And I'll never forget my 85-year-old deacon who'd been a member of the church, you know, pillar in the church for 50-plus years. Yeah. He looks at me and he says, he says, young man, we've had five people join this church in the last 10 years, and you want to make it harder to become a member. <laughs> and I remember, you know, I'm barely 30 years old, and I look at him and I was like, yes, sir, that's actually what I'm proposing. And he thought I was nuts. Right. And what's amazing, what God did in that is in the my first year at the church, we a few folks came to and joined the church. I mean, the Lord was kind in sending people to a church that there's no reason they should want to come to this church at this point. And they came and wanted to become members. And these leaders let me do, they kind of humored me. They're like, yeah, pastor, whatever, you know, go, go do what you want to do with this. And I started, established a process to become a member. And we had more people join the church in the first year that I was there under this new system than we had the previous 10 mm. at the church. And I'll never, I want to tell this story because this just was a pivotal point for our church. That same 85-year-old deacon, a year later at our deacon's meeting, he he re- when he realized that we had t- taken in more members after we made it harder to become a member right. than we had the previous 10, he had to acknowledge that it happened. And mm. it was really interesting to watch. He had to acknowledge it happened, but this was what's fascinating. He had no idea how to explain to me why. Mm. And and it, it's kind of, he didn't have a category for it. Right. So it was just really interesting. But what that did was it started to establish, oh, okay, if people are going to come. And this, in other words, he was challenged by the idea of people want to belong to something that matters. And so this idea of membership in a church and actually a vetting process to become a member, people are afraid of that. Actually, it raises the bar and it makes it matter to become a member. And so... I tell that story because even though it's a hard road sometimes to establish meaningful membership, it's it's worth doing because when you bring in people into the church as members and they feel like it means something, then you raise the stakes on the kind of members that you're bringing in at that point. So that's what we started to do. We established, a, we didn't have a membership class, Jim, like you and many others do, simply because we didn't have enough people join. Like, so we were able to do individual pastoral yeah, right, right. We've interviews. We've done that in the past, too, but it's essentially if, the same thing. If we had it, more people, we, we would have done a class if right. we could have managed that. But we were able to manage that as a, you know, as, a, as a smaller church. So a pastoral interview, the pastors then brought that interview back to the, the full body of pastors. We would agree to put the person forward to the congregation. But because we're congregational, we would actually, at a members meeting, present them and present their testimonies like you had talked about. So we would have them write a testimony as well. And the church would vote to, to affirm that. We never had some. A, never had a we no never vote. had a vote where it wasn't yeah, approved. Right. So in some ways, it's it's, it's semantics, a formality. A formality. Right, right, yeah. But I, so it you know it's, that at that point, yes, generally. it just depends on the logistics of the church. Point is that the church, though voting, gave them ownership. To, I need to get to know this person. I need to know who they are before I can make a covenant with them and agree to that. Yeah. So the the membership process was established as we were trying to establish meaningful membership in the same in the yeah. same time. Brian, we work through, and I think this might be helpful. One of the things we say to people when they want to join the church is, okay, what, what's the difference between, from your side and our side, between just attending here? Because if you attend here, you know, I, I joke and tell people, oh, now you get your secret decoder ring and your special robe, you know, and get the access to our special meetings that nobody else has. <laughs> 
you know, but what's the difference between, hey, I've attended this church for a year, I, I come to all the services, but now I'm going to become a member, you know, what happens? Well, again, there's not a secret ring, there's not a, a special ceremony, you know, where you are bequeathed with something, but it is a demonstration of a commitment, and yeah. it is an open declaration of a commitment, and as we lay it out, there's a commitment to several things. Um, there is a there is a doctrinal commitment, and and that is saying that I, I believe these things. So I say to some people, looking don't don't join a church if you can't say and sing Amen. And what I mean by that is if there's so much that you disagree with, and well I'm a charismatic, but I'm coming to a cessationist church, or I'm a Presbyterian, but I'm coming to a Baptist church, and I hate it whenever you talk about baptism. Well, you may work something out, but you say, looking best you can, go to a church where you have. The most fundamental agreement, I think, you know, doctrinal. So, so statement of faith, so a statement and, of faith. A, and a covenant, those yeah, two do, pieces you, about right. membership. Do you, so there's a commitment to doctrine. There's a commitment to people. You're, you're yeah. committing. You're, you're, when you join a church, well, the church is people. Mm-hmm. And, and so you're, you're, you're not just joining uh, a, a doctrinal club. You're joining a body in which you're committing yourself to love and care for and to mm-hmm. be loved and cared for by these people. Yeah, so if you good. don't love these people, if you can't look at them and say, I love you and I'll serve you, but then you're also committing yourself to leadership. Mm-hmm. And you, you make it clear. Look, the Bible does say that there are obligations of members toward pastors and pastors toward, toward members. And you are saying you want us to shepherd you. And so that means you, you're giving us a right and access that when we see you straying, to, that we'll come after you. Understand that, right? So you're committing yourself. And if you don't trust us as leaders or if you, you don't think you can be fed by us, this probably isn't the church that yeah. you should go. So if you can't sing and say amen, if you can't say to the people, I love you and I serve you, if you can't say to the leadership, I trust you and benefit from you, but then there's also a commitment to practice. Mm-hmm. And each church has whatever that is. So in, in some churches, that means, well, you got to be part of a small group and uh, or it means you need to at least attend, you know, one of the services unless you are providentially hindered or two of the services or I mean, again, we, we've asked people, look, I mean, our ideal is that you commit yourself Sunday school, morning, evening and prayer meeting. You know, that that's what that's what the healthiest, most robust church membership is and we tell people listen you're going to get you're going to get out of this what you put into this the more you're here the more you hear the word the more you fellowship the more this is going to matter to you mm-hmm. and the, the the less you're here the less it's going to matter to yep. you and, yep. and and again so we talk about you know those those are all tethers there's a there's a doctrinal tether and a, a, a relational tether a practical tether that we're in this together we are the body uh, doing these things together. Yep. And so I think that it's important as part of this that those kinds of things are at least something of an expectation uh, from their end and your end. What does this mean when it says I become a member? Okay, well, this means that you get pastoral visitation or this means that you get member care in a way that a visitor doesn't. Before you go there, because I want to talk about that, let's first highlight... Statement of faith is the doctrinal beliefs mm-hmm. that members agree to. Yeah. The church covenant is the agreement that you have with one another. Right. So kind of what, I'm going to do this and I expect this. I just don't want to assume everybody understands, but, but I just yeah. want to make sure. But those are two important documents for any church that you have a, a belief system doctrinally that all the members would acknowledge to some degree. 
Yeah, yeah. And, and then and, the and, covenant, and that may, right, and the, you may work through and say, are, are are there any issues you have with our doctrinal statement? Yeah. Again, because we have a large confession, ours is you know the the Second London Confession. But Baptist faith and message is fairly large too. Right? Is it, I mean, that's you know. Yeah, but, you, but second, the Second London Baptist is the, is by far the most robust in so many yeah, ways. It is, I will yes. say so. Well, yes. <laughs> so I won't argue with you, Brian. So, so we're we are and so we were more but, lenient on certain things around. Yeah, uh, but you so. might say like somebody says, okay, I'm not I'm not yet convinced of this, and you know, so we have to make a decision as elders. Yeah. Is this right. would this cause division right. uh, in the flock to allow a member? I also also think statement of faiths are helpful in that you the members can are able to sign off to their best ability to understand these doctrines but the statement of faith is is important to have because if as an elder you have to agree to teach in accordance with this that's what that that's an important fence to have up in a way that members may be wrestling with some of the statement of faith issues but you know but they maybe haven't figured all these things out i think there's two different levels wouldn't you agree between yeah. members and and but the the elders, those who are teaching and preaching in the church, there's got to be a robust commitment yes. to the statement of faith. Right, right. And again, I think our con- in our case, what our concern is that you know, there are there are things that could be divisive. Yeah, and you got to know what, what those what are. We, yeah, and people might say that, <clears throat> hey, I'm I'm not sure on this, but I'm I'm happy. I will live contentedly. So we, for instance, we had a, we had we did have a young man, and some people would have trouble with this. We had a young man who had. Uh, Pado Baptist convictions. Now mm-hmm. he he had been baptized by immersion. So part of the membership process is: Have you been baptized by immersion following a confession of faith? I mean, That's the, part of the membership process. The answer was yes. But and the answer was yes. But later on, now he was single at the time, so it wasn't like we were going to have to deal with babies. And and he was here only for a couple of years. He was on his you know through uh, at at school and was on his so way what'd out. So what you do? So we we allowed him to become a member. Okay. Now it was like now listen, you are not to go and undermine the teaching of the church or not to have secret infant baptism classes and you know that sort of thing (laughs) i'm going to try to persuade everybody to be Mm -hmm. a pedo baptist and he was great you know he was you know because he did fulfill our membership requirement which is that you that you have in order to be eligible for membership a member must have been baptized by immersion Uh, you know that that sort of thing upon a profession of faith a confession of faith so uh, those are some things I think that you know we're talking about a process. So that's that uh, we probably should have listed that. That's part of the process, and it might be for somebody they say, "Well, I, I was baptized or I was sprinkled as an infant." Well, part of the process is if you're going to join this church, you know we're going to need to this, baptize and th- you. And this part is uh, this we we could go a lot of different directions with this, but the this is some a couple a, pa- a couple pastors recent last week or so have asked me about this. There's a wrestling around. You know, so does baptism, you know, prohibit somebody becoming a, a member in the church? I mean, that I don't want to go that road, but that's one of the questions. Yeah, that that's, people, uh, yeah, I've seen that on, on ba- you know, uh, yeah, somebody. Baptists will Baptists will say yes. Usually, Presbyterians will say no, or many of them will. No, and, of course not. Yeah, again, it's so a there's there's debate around that. But here's where I want to go for the last part, Jim. I, I do want to talk about the benefits of membership. That is part of the process. Yes, when someone asks, you know, well, are there benefits to being a member that you don't have? Mm-hmm. As a non-member, the reason this is an important conversation is because if you don't have benefits to be a member versus a non-member, right. it's really hard to motivate people 
to actually make the commitment. Yeah, to other than yeah, you can maybe make the argument that people should become members. The Bible teaches it, but yeah, you you do want to say listen that there are. You would hope that would be enough of a reason, but right. so I want to go back and forth a minute, Jim. Let's talk about so in our different church context, what would be a benefit that a member would get that it, in your church that a non-member would would not receive. Give me, uh, give me one example. Yeah, well, uh, the biggest thing I would say is, is is the more intensive pastoral care. Yeah. So for me, when somebody says, I want to join the church, and I tell them this, I say, no, you understand, I, uh, I'm, I just want to let you know that as I hear you say that, what you are saying to me is, and to Charlie and to John and to Derek, the other elders, you are saying you want us to pastor you. Yeah, and so that means I said, you know, I take that seriously. I don't know, I don't know how seriously you take it, but that means, uh, look, I'm going to lay down my life for you. I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to do all I can to help get you to heaven safely. Now, if somebody's a visitor and they need help or they need somebody to talk to, I, I do. Yeah, I'm going to try to be there for sure. them. But I don't feel the obligation, the obligation right. in the sense that look, this person. It is somebody for whom I'm going to give an account. So okay. I hopefully that is, and I believe that that is a benefit, is that desire to shepherd. And we don't always do it as well as we should. We don't always do it as well for every member as we should, but that's our commitment. Okay, so I would, I'll would i go another one. Uh, you, cannot, uh, you cannot serve and work with children if you are not a member of the church. Mm-hmm. So that was true for us. That was one of the things that would distinguish a member from a, from a non-member for the obvious reasons, but we're just trying to give some categories. Yeah, and some. I, I, have you ever had anybody get really offended at that? No, uh, we've had that happen. A no, few but, times, but, so but like, well, but that's the thing is I, I think we. That's why I want to throw some specifics. Out. What's another area that you that you is a benefit of a, as a member versus a non-member for you? Well, I I think uh, inter-member care, and that is well, listen. There's a difference when somebody says when when somebody's visiting they're here they're not here you don't know if they're coming you don't know you know you don't really know there's almost this like okay what's what's going on with them do they do they want to be here do they believe what we believe are are they committed to what we're committed to and membership is that open declaration i'm here i am with you i want to be a part of you and that has a, a practical and even to some degree a psychological effect upon the other members of the church. It's like, oh, they, they, they're here. They, they are committed. Yep. They believe these things. We can assume certain things. Uh, and, and, and that when they're hurting, they're in trouble, they have needs. Hey, you know, in a deacon's meeting or whatever else, there's a difference between saying, hey, the, the, the uh, Johnson family's visiting, they have a need, versus the Smiths are in need. I mean, yeah. and they're members. They've been here yeah. for four or five years. I so, mean, there's no question what we're going to do. So, so the, the, the meals that get organized and drive to the home are going to be for members, not yeah. non-members. Well, sometimes it would be. I mean, there, there are some. Right. There'll be an exception, look, there, but there, as a general yeah, rule. Sometimes we, look, okay. we'll take care of you if and when we can, but hey, you are going to be taken care of if you're a member. Okay, how about this one? Uh, you're having a pot. You're having kind of a potluck fellowship where everybody brings food. Yeah. Can non-members bring food and participate in that for you? It depends on what it is. If it's pizza, yes. If it, no, I'm just <laughs> I was gonna say it's, like, it's got to be good yeah, or it not has good. To be is that very what we're good. About here? It has to be very tasty. <laughs> And if you're a member and it's not good, we we give you we a pass. Also, that, we'll give you a pass, but you might get you got to re- go sit you, at the children's table. Is what you're saying? So yeah, enough Jello salad. <laughs> okay, no, my, 
my son has a whole rant about church potlucks, which is hilarious. So you should, we'll get him. Okay. So, do it. No, but yeah, no, yes. Yeah, so we would allow them if, if they want to do that. But we often will say to them, it's not expected of you. Yeah. If you're a member, hey, we'd love to serve you. We'd love to take care of you. But if you're a member, hey, you're part yeah. of the family, then, then hey, we're the ones who clean up. We're the ones who do it. We're the ones who provide. So that, I mean, that's a good, ex- it, it, it is a, uh, it, it's, hey, you're in the family now. So we used to have exchange students live in our house. And I said, look, you get one month of being served. <laughs> then okay? you become a member and of the then, family. Then you're family. Yeah. So after that, you got to clean up too. You got to yeah, you know, right yeah. now, like, hey, I'm going to pay for everything. I'm going to, I'm, I'm treating you like a guest. Yeah. You get a month of that. Yep. And now it's, now it's family. Okay. What so, about this? What about this? What about uh, walk in the neighborhood, knocking on doors or passing out distribution of, of like church resources? Yeah. Can you, can you be a non-member and participate in that? Again, it would depend on who it is. There's honestly, well, are there any members I wouldn't want to do that? <laughs> so <laughs> you want to uh, you want to you want to think through this? One yeah, first you, you know, every but, uh, every every church has a crazy uncle, well, right? You know, you, here's here's uh, the point of that is that I'm trying to just give some categories of things that every others can can think. Of. So like the you and I both would not let anybody participate in playing music for the service right or uh, uh, leading yeah. the service right. without being a right. member right so we want to know again you, you you need to get to know them and, and, and again it maybe somebody's in the process they haven't become a member yet but it it's you know the, but you recognize and realize they have a similar heart they're very involved here they want to be here you know honestly you know we've had we have a family at our church has been at our church for I want to say 18 years and they've never joined. Huh? Wow. Um, and it's out of a conviction in regard to certain things of, uh, I don't need to get into it. No. Um, but they, but they, but, but that's a rare situation. It's a very rare, but you know, but they are there, you know, particularly some of the family are as committed, more committed than some members are. Members. You know, so tricky. It is tricky, you know, so it's hard for me to withhold care. Uh, Brian, what about the Lord's Supper? Yeah, do you give, do you give the Lord's Supper to those who are not members? So we, we, we did not practice closed communion okay. where you have to be a member and you're the only ones to be served. So we would, we would practice close communion, which mm-hmm. is if you're, a, if you're a, a baptized believer and you're visiting, that you can come to the Lord's table well, with us. If and that's just the general that's the general rule. If you're somebody though who's attending the church for years and there's you're not becoming a member, like we're having conversation, we're not we're not forbidding you to come to the table, but we are wanting to have the conversation that the eventual goal is either you join this church or you join another church, and and be a part of things in that way. But right. yeah, as a general sense, if you're you know we if uh, somebody who visits the church and and we would not at, we would not forbid them to we'd want them to come to the table we want to practice that charity Brian what expectations did you have written out expectations of members so that they knew in a sense really what what you mean when you think about member in good standing or an active member of the church in regard to attendance or service or you know, whatever the case might be, did yeah. you did you have like, hey, if you're a member of the church, it's expected of you that you're gonna you're gonna witness to people. It's expected of you that you're gonna be in the word. It's expected of you that you're gonna 
you know, whatever the case might be. We, Did so, you have any of those kinds of things laid out and written out? Yeah, it's in the covenant. That's what I think a church covenant is supposed to okay. do, is lay out the general principle. So in our church covenant was service in the church, was giving, okay. was was regular attendance at church. Like All those things were spelled out in principle in the covenant. Then through the pastoral interview process and just culture in the church in general, uh, we would establish more what that looks like. So would you go through the covenant then with a member and say, hey, before you join the church, this is what you're going to verbally or commit was- to? Or did you, in some places, I know that they actually write their name. They, the covenant is signed. Uh, how did you do that? As we, a- we started backing off. We didn't do the signing stuff. We did it first, but we would walk through the covenant and ask people to agree to it before they moved forward in the process. Okay. What we do, we recite our covenant together every time yeah. we receive a new member. So and yesterday we received we two new members. All the members of the church stood, and we recited the at covenant the end, in, uni- in we union. Did, we did members meetings once a month, and at the end of every members meeting, we read the covenant. Whether oh, we brought in members okay. or not, just to remind ourselves this is what we have agreed to. So I want to wrap this episode, Jim. Any final thought, though, around this process of members uh, becoming, you know, starting the process and becoming a member by, at the end. Yeah, well again, I think that if, if, as pastors we we need to make sure that we're taking care of of those who are entrusted to yeah. us. And so I think again the best way to do that and to, is to have a mutual understanding of of what this relationship looks like. Yeah. And I th- so I think that in order to do that in some way whether it's classes or whether it's in preaching or whether it's a written document that those things are, are understood so that it's it's not a frustration for you as a shepherd to say, my sheep are scattered all over. They're mm-hmm. all on different pages as far as what this means. And that may happen at the beginning, but Lord willing, as, as you are there, and if you're there for five years, 10 years, you're going to be able to have an ability to shape what this process looks like and, and to have a more unified uh, congregational yeah. life. That's good. Here's my final word on this. Membership is not exclusively listed in the New Testament. It doesn't say this is what membership is and uses that word. Having And so there's some people who try to argue against membership because of that. Right. And I just want to acknowledge that. Yeah, it, it's actually that word is not used in the New Testament. However, you cannot read the New Testament and not see over and over again that there are groups of people who belong to each other in local places that have responsibility for each other, that are looking out for each other, that are submitting to elders in that place. That's all over the New Testament. And I just would argue that the modern day understanding of membership in a local church, I believe, is the best way to capture the spirit of so many of those texts Mm. that address it. So though it's not specifically addressed, I think a strong argument, even from the text we started with in the very beginning of our conversation, make a strong argument that this is God's design that people are to belong to each other in a local way mm-hmm. and are to have a pastor who's caring for them in a way that they, that pastor feels responsible for them. So mm-hmm. will you take a minute and pray for pastors yeah. who are trying to establish this process? Yeah. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the church of the Lord Jesus. We thank you for its local expressions. We thank you that as we gather together, uh, that we are a part of that place where your glory dwells. And so, Father, we do pray uh, that we would order your churches aright according to your revealed mind. And, Lord, in regard to this aspect, which is so important for the growth and the, the happiness and the holiness and the 
um, the prosperity of your people, uh, that you would aid us in ordering uh, this process in a way that results in your honor and glory and the good of your sheep. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.